Erev Tov, good evening. We are finally, finally at the place where we are beginning the Rambam's introduction to his Mishnah Torah. So until today, we focused on some historical background. We focused on the mainly on the introduction of Rabbi Yosef Kavrich Kapach to the Mishnah Torah. We are now going to begin the actual writing of the Rambam himself, along with the commentary of Rabbi Yosef Kapach. Part of me says that we should do the whole introduction and then return back here and break down step by step, while the other part of me says, what's the point of reading the whole thing and then coming back and repeating ourselves? So, what I recommend to be a, a middle ground is that perhaps I will post for you a Hebrew and English version of this introduction so you can read it on your own, and then we're going to spend the next uh, number of weeks actually getting into the details of the Hagdama. This way you'll have both a broader picture of what we're going to be learning, and then it will make sense to focus in on the details of the Rambam's introduction to the Mishneh Torah. The Rambam's introduction to the Mishneh Torah is truly a, a foundational work. I keep saying that word, but it's, it's, this is important, this is crucial, to understanding Torah Shabbat. There are other books that were written in a similar fashion, uh, to this writing of Dagdamat uh, Tzorash uh, Interestingly enough, I was just uh, studying with my wife. There is a famous Chacham, Rabbi Avraham Zakuto. Rabbi Avraham Zakuto was a Chacham pre and during, uh, perhaps, the Spanish expulsion. Rabbi Avraham Zakuto was a famous astronomer. Uh, there seems to be even a crater on the moon. If it's true or not, I don't know. Caldezagut, uh, Z-A-G-U-T, crater, which is named after him. It seems that Christopher Columbus has used much of uh, his, at that time, cutting-edge technology in maps and navigation to reach what he thought uh, was India, but really turned out to be the Americas. It seems that the son of Rabbi Abraham Zakuta sailed with him. Rabbi Abraham Zakuta has a Sefer Yochasin. The Sefer Yochasin also does a fantastic job of explaining the background to the Rashi But really, we're here studying the Rambam. And the Rambam, in the classic way of the Rambam, doesn't have to give you a book, but rather just gives you a few pages which explains to you things that other Chachamim will take months and months to explain. And you will see that in how long it takes for us to study something that the Rambam said so concisely, so clearly. Hagdama, introduction. You're going to be on a page in your Mishnah Torah that looks like this. Hagdama. Now, the word Hagdama is in brackets. The reason for this, look at footnote Aleph. Hagdama says, Rabbi Yosef Kapach, Leta bechol kitve hayad This word Hagdama, introduction, does not appear in any of the handwritten manuscripts that are in my possession. It was added, apparently, by the printers. Meaning the printers want to say, so what is this? Is this the Yet the Sefer Ramada? No, this is the introduction of the Rambam to the Mishneh Torah. And because of that, they added the words Hagdama. And therefore, I put it in brackets, as opposed to parentheses. In brackets, let you know that it's not there in the handwritten manuscripts, but it's there in the printed books. B'Shem Adonai El Olam. In the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the God of the world. Who says this pasuk for the first time? 
If you recall in Bereshit, in chapter 21, Avraham Avinu is in Bereshava, he just made some kind of treaty, Avraham Avinu calls out in the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the God of the world. It's the way of the Rambam to begin his books with this Pasuk. Let's look at footnote Bet. Minhag Rabenu. It is the custom of Rabenu HaRambam. Whenever you see Rabbi Yosef Kapach write the word Rabenu, he's referring to the Rambam. In the same way that when we say the word Maran, we refer to Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo. You won't find other Chachamim that Rabbi Yosef Kapach calls Rabenu, unless perhaps Rabenu HaKadosh, which would be Rabbi Yudanasi, the author of the Mishnah. Minhag Rabenu, it's the custom of our Rabbi the Rambam. To begin his books with a call, with a declaration of Avraham Avinu, Avraham our forefather. Because the Rambam uses the same pasuk of Avraham Avinu when he begins his commentary in the Mishnah. And here, when he begins his introduction to the Mishnah Torah. And in the book of Mitzvot, where the Rambam begins the counting of the Mitzvot. And also in the book of Moreh Nevuchim, look there in my printing, says the of Kabbalah, look in my edition, and in the footnote over there. I wanted to read to you today what the Rabbi Yosef Kapach writes over there. You should know, the works of Rabbi Yosef Kapach in translating the Rambam are unbelievable. The clarity, you know, and many of these books I've learned in my life, but only recently have I been able to own the writings with the translations of Rabbi Yosef Kapach and the commentaries and the elucidation that it provides it's it's some days I feel like I'm learning it new so in the Moreh Nebuchim of the Rambam it also begins with the words B'Shem Adonai El Olam in the name of Adonai, God of the world. Says Rabbi Yosef Kapach here. Barur, it's clear. This introduction, this opening sentence, comes in wake of the words of Avraham Avinu, where Avraham Avinu says, that he called out there, B'Shem Adonai El Olam. In the, in the name of Adonai, God of the world. Bereshit Chav Aleph Lamed Gimel. Chapter 21, verse 33. Lirmoz, it alludes to the fact. That the work, his desired goal, his objective in this work. Is to continue the call of Avraham Avinu. Lefarsem amitat yichud Adonai ba'olam. To continue and publicize the truth of the unity of God in the world, the oneness of God in the world. The Rambam, by invoking Avraham Avinu's call, is saying, I consider myself a student of Avraham Avinu. I consider myself a successor of Avraham Avinu. I wish to complete the work of Avraham Avinu by declaring to the world, Adonai Echad. Hashem is one. There is one God. Not only here in the Moren Vuchim, says Rav Kapach, did Rabbeinu HaRambam begin with this verse. This is his custom in all his books. 
שכך פתח את פירושו למשנה. He begins the introduction to the Mishnah, וכך בספרו משנה תורה, and the beginning of משנה תורה, ובספר המצוות, ועוד. In all his other works, the Rambam begins using the words, בשם אדוני אל עולם. ולהבנת פסוק זה, and if you truly wish to understand this פסוק, ראה לקמן חלק ג' פרק כ"ט, look here in section 3, chapter 29, I would love to do this with you tonight, but it didn't come out to me this way. וראיתי, and I saw him, מי שדימה, somebody who tried to say, שזו השפעת ערבית. זו השפעה ערבית. That this was an Arabic influence on the Rambam. When the Rambam begins his books, בשם אדוני אל עולם, that this is an Arabic cultural uh, influence on his writings. ואינו נכון, it's not correct. כי אין הערבים פותחים, והערבים do not... Uh, uh, open with the words now I don't understand Arabic very well but you know there's a famous uh, uh, proclamation Arabic Bismillah it's the famous uh, proclamation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one so it also is called the, the, the Basma or Basama like I told you I don't speak Arabic but he seems to write it here with an Aleph which which may mean that that's the way that the Arabs where he comes from pronounce them or that's the way to correctly write it in Judeo-Arabic I don't know Basam Allah Rav Al-Almin. It doesn't say in Arabic, in the name of Allah, Adonai, who is the God of the world. Ella, rather, what do the Arabs say? Bismillah Al-Rahman Al-Rahim. That the Arabs, they say, in the name of Allah, the compassionate one, Rahman. I know that some people might be uh, uh, cringing in their chair. Those who are cringing because of my bad Arabic, I ask for you forgiveness. I didn't reach the place yet in my life where I speak uh, or even understand a basic Arabic. One day. But to those who are a little bit uncomfortable with why we're reading Arabic in the first place, I've spoken to those in our kolal about this before, but this paranoia, this fear of, of Arabic, even of Islam, On a Jewish level, it's unjustified. Perhaps on a social level, on an emotional level, on a later history level. You know, we've had many enemies in our history, and right now, the enemy that it used to be just Am Israel was up against, but today it could even be the whole world is up against, is an enemy of a type of Islam that is radical and is taking over the world. In many instances, that is terrorizing the world. Our Chachamim, though, lived in a world where they saw in this religion beautiful things. Where they saw in this religion uh, uh, abandonment of the filth of paganism that existed before. The Avodah Zarah that other nations believed in, the Arab world rejected. And didn't just reject, but was willing to accept this belief in the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Unfortunately, in our life, We've even seen Jewish people that were unable to accept the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the same perfect way that Rambam had hoped for other people to accept it. I have a dear friend. I don't want to say too much about him. I don't want to give him away. He's from Iraqi descent. And he's used to saying words like, Inshallah, Bezat Hashem, in Arabic. And he was at somebody's house. Recently, very recently, in the last year, I'm telling you. And someone asked him a question, and he said, Inshallah, God willing. 
And the host said, say that in my house one more time and I'll throw you out. So what did I say? Don't speak that language in my house. What are you, a Muslim? I'm talking to you about a Jewish person at a Jewish person's home. So to say, Gottfun Avraham, Gottfun Yitzchak, Gottfun Yankiv, to, to speak in German, which is a Nazi language, that's okay. To ignore the fact that thousands of Chachamim over hundreds of years spoke German, spoke Yiddish, that's okay to remember. But the thousands and thousands and thousands of Chachamim spoke in Arabic, studied in Arabic, wrote in Arabic, debated, engaged in theological conversation with Arabs, with Muslim leaders. That part we have to destroy. That part we have to forget. That part of Jewish history we're supposed to erase. Because certain people want us to. I pray for a day where the nations of the world will believe in a God as perfect as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as perfect as when they say Allah. That when they say in the street God and they think of all kinds of threes and trinities and imperfect, imperfect gods that are more similar to the pagans in which they came from. I pray for a world which will believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu the way our cousins believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I also pray for them to abandon a faith which has led them to do things in the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is pure evil, that is tyrannical, that is disgusting. But that's part of why we pray. Hashem will one day be the king over the whole world. On that day, he will be one, his name will be one, the whole world will believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What are you saying? The whole world will fall to their knees and bow to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We will reach that place where the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be apparent in the world. But until then, Rabbi Yosef Masas writes that anyone, anyone who mocks the religions in the world that believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a portion in mocking the few people left on earth that still believe in the concept of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that still believe in a creator of the universe. At the end of the day, they may be misguided. They may not have a Torah and a Shamayim. They may not have a glorious tradition of Chachamim like we have. They need a lot of help, to put it lightly. But they're still from those who are on our side of the world, in the side of the world that believes in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's nothing short of a Chilul Hashem, says Rabbi Yosef Masas, to consider them otherwise. I had no intention to take this tangent. Let's go back to our Mishnah Torah. I will not be embarrassed when I look at all your mitzvot. This is from Tehillim, Kufiutet, chapter 119. Chapter 119 is a beautiful chapter of Tehillim. As I'm sure you know, it goes based on the Aleph Bet, and there are different psukim, 
delightful psukim. If you wish to write and you wish to quote from psukim, chapter Kufiutet is all you need to know. You can quote beautiful things from this psukim. Rabbi Yosef Kapach writes in footnote Gimel, it seems to be the intention of Rabbeinu HaRambam when he mentions this pasuk here what is that pasuk? I will not be embarrassed when I look at your mitzvot what does that pasuk have to do here? he intends to talk about the counting of the mitzvot which are to come because soon, in a few pages, the Rambam begins to enumerate the mitzvot. So that he will not forget a mitzvah, so that he will not neglect a mitzvah and then forget it. And like the Rambam himself writes in his introduction to the book of mitzvot, this is what he writes word for word. And for this goal, that you must initially enumerate the mitzvot in the beginning of the book I have to list all of the mitzvot first the active commandments and the passive commandments so that when I in, in, in continue to elaborate on them in the book that I will mention all of them and that we won't forget about a mitzvah we won't leave behind the mitzvah which we won't explain properly I do all this I do all this so that there won't be something that I forget to speak about. But when I, when I initially set out to make a list of the mitzvot and then I continue to elaborate on that list, I can be certain that I will not forget behind the mitzvah. This piece of Rambam is beautiful. Before we even get to what the Rambam was saying. The Baalei Musar teach that it's important for a person to write things down. My father always gives me Musar about this. I say, okay, someone can you remind me? He says, just put a reminder on your phone. It's true, if I would put a reminder on my phone for everything, that I remember to call half of the people back that I need to call back, and email back, that I need to email back, and do the things I need to do. How much did Chachamim want us to take care of our zikaron, of our memory? Even if you look in the writings of the Mekubalim, who tell you to meditate on certain words so you don't forget things, all of them are trying to accomplish the same goal. That you should not forget what you need to be doing. To learn how to write things down, not to be embarrassed. There are people that come, they're afraid to, to write notes, they're afraid to refer to things, they're afraid to bring books. Maybe people will think that they don't know the whole library by heart. And what will happen if you don't know the whole library by heart? You're just a human being. What's wrong with that? I saw a bit Micham, tremendous Micham speak. And I saw that he came with index cards, with all his sources to read from. And whereas for you that might not sound like a big deal, but in a world where this kind of Micham shouldn't need to refer to things, he wasn't afraid. You don't want to forget something. You don't want to quote something inaccurately. It's very important to not be ashamed to need help. The Rambam here knows, this is the Rambam, if the Rambam is going to forget something, we're going to forget something. The Rambam says, if I don't write down a list of mitzvot, it's very practical, forget the point of counting the mitzvot. If I don't write down a list of the mitzvot, I will not be able to elaborate on all of them, I'll forget some of them. I'll neglect to talk enough about all of them. And therefore I wrote them down. So often people look 
in very unusual places for life lessons. Like, where am I going to learn how to do it? Where am I, what, where am I going to get inspiration? And it's sitting under our nose. Look at the way the Rambam is a human being. Look what the Rambam says, it's okay. It's okay that you forget things. You're a person. You're a human being. It's also okay to take the steps you need not to forget next time. It's okay to be a human being. We live in a type of Judaism where it's not okay to be a human being. To be a human being uh, is, is inferior to being a superhuman. You read some of these rabbis' biographies. There's a piece from Rav Kook. Rav Kook has a, um, posthumously, they publish this diary of his called Chadarav. All kinds of writings about Rav Kook and about himself. And Rav Kook writes about the tremendous embarrassment, the shame that he would feel when he would read stories about rabbis from a generation previously. The things they knew, the wisdom they had, the compassion they had for other people, the care and concern for everybody, the, the midot, the character traits, the lofty way in which they lived, they walked, they spoke. They were true aristocrats in the Jewish sense. Says Rav Kook, I read them, I wish I had the language in front of me now. I read them, and I'm filled with shame. How will I ever be like them? Don't be afraid. Rav Kook ended up being like one of them. It wasn't a self-deprecation. Rav Kook was saying, wow, I have what to strive towards. From the day-to-day life of Chachamim, I have what to strive towards. There's a book, I don't own it. And the edited version, I certainly don't own. There was a book written by an Ashkenazi Tamichacham in which he described the personal lives of certain great rabbis, in, in some of them in this country. And how you could learn from the way they spoke to their wives, they raised their children, messages you can learn from their life. And when he published this book, he was attacked. Lo yuman ki how he was attacked. Why? How dare you turn these superhumans into regular human beings? And for years, it was a question to publish, republish. He had all those books were pulled off the shelf. The printer stopped printing them. They put out an edited version in which the rabbis could then conform to the you know, current Jewish scene of how rabbis should look. I heard, I don't know if it's true, I heard that copies of the original can cost well into the hundreds of dollars. It's in the beauty of the way these Chachamim lived that we get inspiration. Rav Kook may have been full of shame, but a shame that his Chachamim say, Kinat Sofrim, the jealousy, the rivalry among scholars, ultimately will increase wisdom. One Chacham sees another one, he wants to be like that too. And it makes me, it motivates me to learn more. Today though, you see these biographies written about Chachamim. Now, biography is a big word, because biography assumes that the books are true. Somebody once came to Arav Peretz and said, Arav Peretz, I wrote a book in Yichot Shabbat, could you please write me a letter of approval, a haskama for the book? There are very few books that I'm familiar with that have haskamot from Arav Peretz. One of them, uh, I should refer, a Tamikham, who I study with in Shiva, put out a sidur of the Jews of Catalonia. The sidur is special, but more special than that is the introduction. He pretty much wrote a book that's an introduction to the book. His name is Rabbi Dr. Idan Peretz. And uh, he, in that book, has a haskama from Rabbi Peretz, a beautiful haskama. He's also a beautiful person, so matim lo. Somebody came to Rabbi Peretz about this book, Yichot Shabbat. I'll bet you I'm going to need it for a little bit of time to learn through it, and I'll give you a haskama. So the guy came back a while later, and Rabbi Peretz said, I'm sorry, I can't give you a haskama. He said, why not? Did you read it? Said, of course I read it. So, so, so why can't you give you a haskama? 
He said, because you wrote on the book, Hilchot Shabbat, the laws of Shabbat. He said, I read this book cover to cover, there's no Hilchot Shabbat in this book. Nothing that you mention here is about Shabbat. It's all kinds of Chumrot Shabbat, all kinds of uh, stringencies of Shabbat, nonsense about Shabbat, uh, fabricated ideas about Shabbat, but nothing here is a halakha. I'm sorry, but I can't give a haskamat to a book that's called Laws of Shabbat when that's actually not the Laws of Shabbat. Sharp, sharp, but it's true. You read some books, it's kind of, listen, you and I, we're, we're human beings that have minds. It can't be that this story happened. Okay, let's pretend. So you read one of these biographies put out by any of the famous Jewish printing presses you're familiar with. I don't want to mention any other name, by name. Rabbi so-and-so, fill in the blank, when he was already three days old and was nursing from his mother, he heard him mumbling Mishnayot by heart when he was three days old. He knew Mishnayot by heart. So what are we supposed to do? We weren't born with the Mishnayot by heart. When he was four years old, he published his first book because he finished Shas. Four years old. So let's pretend it's all true. What does it do for me, for you? Can I look up to a person that clearly has superhuman abilities? You have a tendency like this in Tanakh also. Because the figures in Tanakh are so unrelatable, the life lessons, the crucial life lessons that we can learn from the people in Tanakh, nobody learns them. Because I'm not Avraham Avinu, I'm not Moshe Rabbeinu. Of course you're not Moshe Rabbeinu. Of course you're not Avraham Avinu. But Avraham Avinu were the perfect human beings, meaning they were human beings like you who perfected themselves to be like them. The Mishnah says it's not your job to finish. But you're also not a Ben Chorin, you're also not free to exempt yourself from trying to be like that. The more unrelatable we make the Chachmei Israel, the less chance we have that the next generation will strive to be like them. I heard a story, I was not there, but I heard a story from someone who was there. They say that once came to this big uh, 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 gathering of yeshiva students. They came in, you know, they were singing songs, they were singing for him, they came in. He took the microphone and he calls out thousands of yeshiva students. He says, who here wants to be a giant Torah scholar who will lead the generation? Quiet. Who here wants to be? I want somebody to raise their hand. A few guys raise their hand. Is that okay? You raise your hand, everybody else, get out. I don't need to waste my time with you. If you're not shooting for the stars, you'll never hit the moon. If you are not striving for greatness, if you're striving for mediocrity, you will reach nowhere. In order to have great leaders, we have to give people the ability to think that they may become leaders. Look at the Rambam. If the Rambam is not afraid of taking notes in class, why are you afraid of taking notes in class? I had a a rabbi in yeshiva who used to pay so much attention to those of us who took notes. He said, you come to the shiul, you bring a notebook, you write in your gemarot, you take notes. That's a, that's a, a future tamich hacham. The one who sits there listening to a nice class. It's not a movie. This isn't a TV show. You didn't bring your popcorn. This is a shiul Torah. When the rabbi is not there anymore, when the tchacham that you're learning from is not there anymore, how are you going to read this book to yourself? If every word is being translated... Every sentence is being explained. So you should be writing down those translations. You should be explaining those words. 
And then your dependency will not be necessary. You will become a Talmid Chacham, a Talmid Chachamim in your own right. That's the goal. That's the goal. The Rambam is telling us it's okay to be human. If you really are human, you have a chance to be like the Rambam. Halavayanas. <laughs>